0: Hello, and welcome to this short lecture from the History Teachers Talking Podcast. I am Peter Zablocki. My fellow history teacher and best friend Tom Reska and I co-host full-length episodes of History Teachers Talking Podcast, but we decided to supplement the longer episodes with these short lectures that will be brought to you by either myself or by Tom and dispersed between our regularly scheduled topics and conversations. Ever wonder how chocolate bars got into the K-rations for U.S. soldiers? Well, let's find out. Military chocolate, or basically chocolate bars, have been a standard United States military ration since 1937. Today, military chocolate is given to soldiers as a basic field ration, really for two purposes. First, as a morale boost, and second, as a high-energy, pocket-sized emergency ration. Military chocolate rations are often made in special lots to military specifications for weight, size, and endurance. However, The majority of the chocolate that is produced and given to soldiers is made to this very day by the Hershey company. Although packaged and molded differently, the candy bars that our soldiers get today are no different from normal store-bought bars and taste pretty much the same. However, that was not always the case. The real story of chocolate rations begins in 1937 where the United States Army approached the Hershey Company, the most famous American chocolate company, about creating a specifically designed bar just for its use as an emergency ration. According to Hershey's chief chemist, Sam Hinkle, the U.S. government approached him with four basic requests for this new military chocolate bar. It had to weigh four ounces, had to be high in energy, had to withstand high temperatures, and it had to taste a little better than a boiled potato. Now, the point of matter was the army didn't really want the bar to be so tasty that soldiers would eat it in non-emergency situations. After all, this was an emergency ration. The final product was called the D ration bar. A blend of chocolate, sugar, cocoa butter, skim milk powder and oat flour. The actual mixture proved way too thick to move through the normal chocolate bar manufacturing setup that they had at Hershey plant in Pennsylvania. So each bar had to be packaged and packed into its own four ounce mold by hand. The taste, well, many soldiers said they would much rather have eaten the potato. A combination of fat and oat flour made the chocolate bar extremely dense. Quite frankly, it resembled a dense brick. The sugar did little to really mask the overwhelming bitter taste of the dark chocolate that was in there. And it wasn't really designed per se to be tasty. It, It was mostly designed as an energy boost. Also, to withstand high temperatures. Therefore, because it was designed in such a fashion, it was nearly impossible to bite into. Most soldiers that ate the D-bar remember shaving slices off of it with a knife just so they could chew the little bits and pieces that they could get. Now, despite U.S. Army's best efforts to stop the men from doing so, most of the D-ration bars at first in World War II would wind up in the trash. Later in the war, Hershey introduced a new version, After the military approached the Hershey Company once more and said, okay, we need the bar to be a little bit more edible. The new bar was known as the Tropical Bar. It was designed also for extreme temperatures, specifically for the Pacific theater of World War II. By the end of the war, the company had produced more than 3 billion ration bars altogether. The Tropical Bar was a little better. Still, it was way too hard to chew. And reports from countless memoirs and field reports are almost uniformly negative. Now, it wasn't as bad as the initial D-ration, so some people actually did keep it, due to the fact that the tropical bar was a little thinner and a little bit easier to cut into pieces. The idea behind the D-Day ration was the fact that it contained sugar, which is an easy way to pep up the troops, and also provided a quick burst of energy. Along with the D-rations, all soldiers in World War II also received K-ration packs. These were devised more as a meal replacement and not sustenance snacks like the D-rations. And these came with complete with coffee, canned meats, processed cheese, and tons of sugar. At various points during the war, men would find powdered orange or lemon drink, caramels, chewing gum, and of course, more de-rationed chocolate. Due to the amount of chocolate, the War Department and the Red Cross sent soldiers abroad. Chocolate on the home front was very limited. Many magazine advertisements of the time asked civilians for wartime cooperation and understanding as chocolate became an integral part of the war effort. In addition to chocolate, Hershey also produced parts for naval anti-aircraft guns, and the company wasn't the only food titan in the area that joined nationwide war efforts to support American troops. Heinz created self-heating cans that could be lit with a cigarette. Kellogg supplied K-rations for soldiers' breakfasts. Since we're on the topic of World War II rations, might as well talk about some of the other food real quick that were invented or paid for by the US military, from instant coffee to Cheetos, packaged cookies, and energy bars, the U.S. military helped invent many of the snacks that Americans love to eat today. Cheetos, for instance, are made possible by the dehydration process the military worked on to remove the water from cheese. That gave cheese both longer shelf life and made it lighter to transport to troops overseas. The military created freeze-dried foods for NASA. These are cubes that were basically a precursor to the modern energy bar. However, the NASA astronauts were pretty much done with eating them. So the military searched for a way to make rations more palatable. Military scientists discovered that pet food companies were working on a way to make the water level low enough in the food to prevent bacteria and fungi from being produced, therefore making the food safe. Once they figured that out, they were able to keep foods moist and chewy enough at room temperature and with regular packaging. That tactic is used to this day in energy bars but also in bakery aisle as well. If you go into a grocery store, you can see moist and chewy cookies. These are all the same technique that comes out of military research. In 1943, the military also adopted a candy-coated chocolate snack found in Europe that service members could carry around in their pockets without the chocolate immediately melting. And that's how M&M's candies were born. Today, some of the biggest military contractors continue to search for the perfect meltless chocolate that will be able to withstand extreme temperatures. And so World War II became the precursor for the United States military to really dabble in creating the perfect energy chocolate bar, something that ultimately continues to this very day with the US military spending millions of dollars in trying to still produce the perfect energy snack for their soldiers. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create and grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creoso, and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast.